Psalm 42. For the director of music, a mascal of the sons of Korah. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Miser, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. A very important and in some ways somber psalm, which we'll get to in just a second, but hey, screen is working. Big round of applause for our visuals team. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> and apologies for those of you who came, maybe if you were newer and wondering, does everyone know the words to all the songs? I didn't, so maybe you didn't too, but normally we have the lyrics up there. Sorry about that, but thanks, team, for making it work. Psalm 42, Maddie just read the text, but let's pray and ask for God's help as we look at this passage. Our God, thank you for the richness of the Bible. And as we look at this psalm today, we pray for open hearts and open minds to understand what's here, but most of all, to encounter Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. One of the things that I love about the Bible is how realistic it is, how honest it is. So as you're reading through the Bible, for example, you see that most of the heroes of the Bible have pretty spectacular failures, and the Bible is honest about recording the failures of its heroes. Another thing that we see as we read through the Bible is it's really honest about the realities of spiritual life. Sometimes spiritual life is filled with mountaintops. There are seasons of peace and seasons of joy, seasons of excitement. And other times in the life of a person who's following after God, there are some significant valleys. There are some really hard moments. There are seasons in life in which you feel 
the language of our psalm there in verse 5 and 11, downcast. Psalm 42 is a song from the valley. It's a song or a prayer of someone who's in a spiritually hard season. And what I love about this psalm, what I love about the realism of the Bible, is it describes a condition. It describes an experience that you will have, some of you are currently having, an experience or condition that we all will have if we're engaged in any kind of spiritual journey. It's not a matter of if this condition comes upon you, it's just a matter of when. And so whether you've been part of a church for a long time or you're brand new, this is your first Sunday and you're exploring Christianity, we need Psalm 42 because it brings us face to face with one of the hardest and yet most realistic parts of a spiritual life. So looking at Psalm 42, there's four things I wanna show you today. The condition that the Psalm describes, the factors that can contribute to or even intensify that condition, the remedies that the Psalm offers, and fourth, the great physician that your soul needs. The condition, the factors, the remedies, and a great physician. Let's take a look. First, what is the condition that this psalm is describing? Look with me, if you would, verse 1. The psalm begins with a pretty powerful illustration. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul is panting after God. The image or the illustration is that of a deer that's made its way down to a riverbed. Normally, the deer finds water to drink, but this time when the deer gets there, the riverbed is all dried up. And this deer is now panting. That word literally means gasping for water. We could say dying of thirst. And this is a metaphor. It's an illustration. The author of the psalm is saying, I'm like the deer and God has become to me like a dried up riverbed. That's the condition, spiritual dryness. He's seeking after God, but can't find him. He's looking for God, but God feels absent and distant and far away. It's not as though the author disbelieves in God. He knows God is out there. But the problem is, though God is out there, he can't feel his presence. He doesn't sense his closeness. You could almost say he's lost the taste of God. He's gone to the river, but it's all dried up. And God feels far away. Look with me, if you would, at the psalm. We get more description about what this feels like in a person's life. So if you come down to verse 2, the author asks the question, when can I go and meet with God? Like, when is this season of spiritual dryness going to end? When am I going to see God's face again? Or come down to verse 3, the people around the author are asking him, where is your God? I mean, look at your life. Look at what's happening. Where is God? And then down in verse 9, why have you forgotten me? It's a pretty terrible thing to feel forgotten. And it's a really hard thing, especially in an ongoing season, to feel like God has forgotten you. And that's where this author is, spiritual dryness, panting after God, but he can't find him. Again, I want to reiterate, 
Our author is not having intellectual doubts about God's existence. He's having relational doubts about God's goodness and God's closeness. He knows God is out there, but what's breaking his heart is God doesn't feel close and he's reaching out, he's knocking on the door and there's no answer. I remember once reading a woman describing her experience of spiritual dryness and she said it was like God packed up, moved on and left no forwarding address. And then she cried out to God, she said, God, this is a terrible time for you to be playing hide and seek. That's what it can feel like. I need you, but I can't find you. I want you, and you're nowhere to be found. This is spiritual dryness, or what sometimes we call spiritual depression. It's the prayer life that feels like a one-way conversation. You're just speaking into the air, but no one's listening. It's Bible reading and you're hungry for something. You need God's presence. You need his direction. You need answers and you come to the scripture and there's nothing that resonates. Nothing moves you. Nothing speaks to you. It's coming into worship and a gathering like this and you leave no different than the way you came in. Even though you wanted encounter and you wanted a sense of God's presence. Spiritual dryness. What's interesting about our psalm is it tells us that sometimes this condition comes upon you gradually. You see, deer are not dumb animals. So it wasn't like the deer just didn't have anything to drink and then all of a sudden said, wow, I'm dying of thirst. No, if the riverbed is dried up, if the deer hasn't had anything to drink, it's because there's been a drought. And so one day turned into a week, turned into a month, and all of a sudden, gradually, the deer realizes my condition is pretty dire. But it wasn't something that happened overnight. It was a kind of gradual experience. And sometimes spiritual dryness comes into your life pretty gradually. You're going through all the motions. You're coming to a place like this for worship. You're going to small group. And yet slowly you realize, wait a second, it's been a long time since I felt God's presence. Also, the Psalm's realistic that sometimes spiritual dryness crashes upon your life suddenly. Come down with me to verse 7. There we have another vivid image. If in verse 1 and 2, the psalmist needs something to drink, God's presence. In verse 7, we see the opposite. He's being battered down by waves and storms. And he says, the waves are breaking upon me. It's a way of describing God's absence now feels like a storm crashing into my life. Chaos and confusion it's threatening my survival. And so we see that sometimes spiritual dryness comes gradually, but sometimes it comes suddenly, often connected to circumstances in our lives. And whether gradual or sudden, when you're in a season of spiritual dryness, spiritual depression, what you feel is what we see there in verse 9, verse 5, verse 11. Your soul is downcast. Your soul is your innermost self. That's the core you. It's the, it's, the, it's the very heart of who you are. And to be downcast, it's a powerful word. We don't use it that much. Like, how are you doing today? I'm pretty downcast. We don't say that. But the word is very powerful. It literally means to be weighed down. It means you're bearing a burden that's too heavy and it's literally hunching you over. And what the author is saying is in this season where God has felt so far away, my soul is bent over by the weight and the stress of life, 
and the reality of his absence. The psalmist isn't angry, he's just sad. And he's filled with longing. He's filled longing for a sense of God's presence to help him face life and the chaos and the confusion that life brings. That's the condition, spiritual dryness, spiritual depression. Have you ever experienced it? Are you experiencing it? Some of you today are exploring religion and Christianity, and I wish, you know, this weren't true, but hey, it is. This is going to be part of your journey at one point or another. We need to be aware that the Bible's realistic, that sometimes following God feels like this. This is a condition that's part of spiritual life. But let's see the factors now that contribute to this condition. And here's what I want to say as we lead into the second point of the sermon. In just a moment, I'm going to show you some factors that are here in the psalm. And these factors can lead a person into spiritual dryness. But when you're in the season of spiritual dryness, the presence of these factors can kind of intensify that feeling that God is far away. So you with me? These factors can both lead in, but they can also contribute to and intensify that feeling of God's absence. But here's the first thing. Before we look at the factors, the first thing that you have to see in this point of the sermon is very crucial. If you are, or in the future, when you might be, in a season of spiritual dryness, one of the things that you're going to feel like is that it's punishment for sin. Like I've done something wrong, And therefore, God is withholding his presence from me. Like, this is my fault. And I want to be really clear. There are some passages in the Bible that say, if we're engaged in sin, sort of self-absorption, turning away from God, then yes, our experience of him can be hindered. That's true. But that's not what's happening in Psalm 42. In Psalm 42... We have no indication at all that the person seeking after God can't find God because of any sin or evil in their life. This is not punishment or judgment for sin. It's just part of spiritual life that sometimes we go through seasons of spiritual dryness. And you've got to know that because one of the hardest things about these seasons is we beat ourselves up and we say, it's my fault, I've done something wrong. That's not always the case. Psalm 42 is the example. So that said, let me show you some of the factors that can lead into or intensify seasons of spiritual dryness. First, loss of community and not going to worship. Two things that are related. Loss of community and not going to worship. Verse six of the Psalm, we read the author is living in the land of the Jordan near Mount Hermon. Now that's the kind of thing you read over and it just goes by real quick. But here's what's significant. That area, the Jordan, Mount Hermon, is in the most northern part of Israel. And the epicenter of religious life, church, the place where people encounter God, is way to the south in Jerusalem. And then if you go down to verse 4 of our passage, the author says, I remember how I used to go to the house of God. Under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Not a phrase we use very much, the festive throng. (laughs) He's saying, I used to go to church with my friends. And I don't anymore. I used to have a community of people that I knew and that knew me. And we would go to worship and it was great. And he says, now I live really far away and I'm not in worship anymore. 
Now, we don't know what brought him north, but we know this, he lost his community. He wasn't going to worship. He wasn't gathering like we're doing today. And that was a factor that led into and contributed to spiritual dryness. He lost his community. And you don't need me to tell you, though we often say it, London is a lonely city. London consistently ranks number one in global cities for loneliness. And inside a city that's often lonely, we also battle transience in which people are always coming and always going. Some of you have to reckon pretty regularly with close friends, people that share life with you who end up moving elsewhere. And when that happens, it can lead into seasons where you say, why am I having such a spiritually dry time? Loss of community, not engaging in worship. Second factor, we'll call this frustration with how life is going. Verse three, the people around the psalmist are saying to him, where is your God? Now that question is an interesting one. The only reason you ask somebody, where is your God? Is because you're looking at their life and you're thinking, if God was with you, then your life wouldn't be going the way it's going. In other words, the psalmist must be going through things that are really hard, really disappointing, really frustrating. And so as people looks at this person's life, as, as he, he, she looks at their own life, it's like, where is God? In other words, life's not going the way they hoped. There is a gap between what we expected and what we're experiencing. <clears throat> Life's not unfolding the way we planned. And that can lead to intense spiritual depression. God, you're out there. I'm following you. I think I want good things and nothing's happening. It's really hard. Loss of community, frustration with how life's unfolding. Third factor, very interesting. Let's call this the author might be physically unwell, sick, battling illness. The Bible doesn't separate our bodies and our souls. You know, sometimes we do that because we're actually pretty influenced by Greek Platonic thought. But the Bible doesn't suffer from those dichotomies. The Bible says to be a human being is to be body and soul. That God made us as embodied creatures. And that means that what happens to our bodies impacts our spirituality. And what happens to our spirituality impacts our bodies. We're one. Why is that interesting? Because when you read the psalm carefully, if you look hard enough, you'll notice that the author mentions things that look like physical sickness. So come with me, verse 3. The author says, My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? Now you and I read that and we think, oh, that's poetry. And it's poetry, sure. But Martin Lloyd-Jones, he was a pastor in London about 70 years ago. Before he became a pastor, he was a very successful medical physician. And when he preached his sermon on Psalm 42, which you can find in a book called Spiritual Depression, it's very good. When he came to Psalm 42 and he looked at verse 3, he said, that's interesting. My tears have been my food day and night. And he says, this person is probably physically sick because when you're sick, your appetite is changed and it's harder to sleep. He's physically unwell. And then Dr. Lloyd-Jones brought us down to verse 9 and then 10. 
Why have you forgotten me? Verse 10, my bones suffer mortal agony. Physically feeling ill, weighed down, physically carrying something in his body that's connected to this spiritual dryness. And so Dr. Lloyd-Jones, the medical physician turned soul physician, preaching on this very psalm, said this, does somebody hold the view that as long as you're a Christian, it does not matter what the condition of your body is? Well, you will soon be disillusioned if you believe that. You see, physical conditions play their part in all of this. You cannot isolate the spiritual from the physical, for we are body, mind, and spirit. Illness, paying attention to your body. What are you carrying? What's impacting you? It's a factor. Fourth thing, maybe the most, uh, the, the most summarizing factor, the author is homesick. Now, we've already talked about this. We already talked about how we lost community and it's far away from home. But one author writing about Psalm 42 just said, this is a song of somebody who's far away from home. And it's not just homesickness. It's a kind of nostalgia it's looking back and remembering how much better life used to be and wishing and longing for that to be repeated in your future. It's remembering that there was a time when you were happy and you were with people that you loved and we felt safe and everything was as it should be. And the very memory of that creates intensity in this feeling of dryness and depression spiritually. Again, our author is not angry, just sad, and filled with longing, wanting God's presence in his life in a way that brings healing and life, but yet as he knocks on that door, God feels far away. And so I would say to you, if any of those factors are in your life right now, they can contribute to leading into or intensifying seasons of spiritual dryness. And the reality is for most of us, those factors are pretty ordinary parts of living in a city like London. So we need to ask not just what those factors are, but we need to see the third point of our sermon. What are some remedies? What's the sort of spiritual medicine that God gives us so that we can meet these moments of spiritual dryness? And let me show you a couple. This is where we start to turn and say, how does God meet us even when we feel like he's so far away? The remedies that the psalm prescribes. Here's the first. Remember, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's a spot in the Old Testament story of the prophet Elijah. Elijah was someone who sought God, who lived for God, but he was prone to despair and despondency. He was prone to spiritual depression. And so at one moment in his life, even though outwardly everything was going really well, inwardly he he had enough. He was burnt out. He didn't want to keep going. And so he cries to God. He says, I give up. I'm done. I'm finished. He says, I'm all alone. No one else is with me. No one else is standing up for you, God. And you know what God does? He says, take a nap and have a snack. And he literally takes a nap and he gives him some food. And then he gets up. He's still a little. And then he's like, no, nap and snack. Keep sleeping. <laughs> Body, right? That's... But then after the second nap and snack, God wakes him up and says, Elijah, you're not alone. There's 7,000 other people just like you. 
You're not alone. If you're in a season of spiritual dryness, it feels isolating. It feels like no one else gets it, no one else sees, no one else can understand. And that's not true. And more than that, it's not your fault. People who wrote the Bible felt seasons of spiritual dryness. And if they did, then you can be sure we will too. So one of the remedies the psalm offers is just the fact that we're not alone in it. And we can bring this not only to God in prayer, but to the community in conversation and say, this is what I'm going through. And when people bring that sense of spiritual depression and dryness into CG or into a Sunday service or into however you connect, we as a community should be ready for that. And say, so this is actually a pretty ordinary part of spiritual life. You're not alone. Second remedy the psalm gives us. Keep up with your spiritual practices. Keep up with your spiritual practices. The whole psalm is the author saying to God, I need you, you're far away, I want you. He's complaining about God's absence. But do you notice how he's doing it? In prayer. The psalmist is praying about how God feels far away. He's coming to God to complain about the fact that God feels so distant. In other words, even when God doesn't feel close, he's still doing the things that you're supposed to do to connect with God. He's staying up on his spiritual practices even when they don't feel like they're working. And friends, I know because I've walked with many of you when you're in seasons of spiritual dryness, one of the things that happens is you start thinking your spiritual practices are futile. Bible reading, prayer, coming into worship. Like, why would I do these things if they're not working? Because, <laughs> another Old Testament story. There was a drought, a physical drought. There was no rain coming down into Israel. And one of the prophets was going around to people saying, dig ditches. The rain is going to come. And the people were saying, why would we do that? It hasn't rained in a long time. Why would we expend energy to dig ditches for no reason? And the prophet keeps saying, dig ditches. Because the clouds will break and the rain will come. And when they do, you'll be glad you did. And the rain did come. And those who dug ditches were thrilled to have the life-giving water falling down into the ditches they made. Your spiritual practices are the dig-ditching mechanisms for your soul. They're the ways that you create space so that when God does pour out his kindness, you're ready to receive it. And they help keep your soul connected to God even when he feels far away. So that's why when Maddie earlier mentioned about the booklets that we have just by the coffee table, the rule of life booklets that have the spiritual practices, that's not something the staff does just because we're bored and don't have anything else to do. It's because in seasons of spiritual dryness, if you stick with your spiritual practices, you create space in your heart to receive and encounter God when he pours out his spirit. They're essential. So genuinely, even though it may feel futile, it's not. And use the booklets to help you keep on in your spiritual practices during seasons of spiritual dryness. Third remedy, third encouragement that the psalm gives us. Learn how to preach to yourself. One of my privileges in life and my job is to preach to you. It's every Sunday to open up God's word 
and try to connect it to your soul. But do you know that the Bible says you are supposed to do that for yourself too? Doesn't mean you don't come to church. Doesn't mean some people aren't called to do that vocationally. But actually part of spiritual life is learning how to take truth of the Bible and apply it to your soul in moments you need it and in ways that is powerful. And that's what the author is doing. Look at verse five, look at verse 11. Talking to himself. Soul, why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed? And then he exhorts himself and says, hope in God. I will yet praise him. Like, I don't feel it today, but it's going to come. And what the author is doing is he's looking at his experience and he knows his theology and he's taking truth about God and he's connecting it to his suffering. Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to take truth from God and bring it to your soul in moments where God feels really far away? It's an art of spiritual living. And if you don't, let me just give you this really practical encouragement. Try to find a couple of verses in the Bible. They're different for all of us, but a couple of verses in the Bible that when you read them, they make your heart sing. They just get in there like a hot knife through butter. And they just get right in. Those are verses that maybe in this season of life, God is giving you as a way to connect truth to your soul. Right in the spaces and the moments that are tough and hard. So my encouragement is let's learn how to be like the psalmist in preaching to ourselves and talking to ourselves and saying, I know what it feels like. But here's truth in the Bible, truth in theology that can meet me in this moment. Talk to ourselves out loud if you want. If you have headphones on, that's totally fine. You can do that anywhere. But learn how to preach to yourself. Learn how to talk to yourself truth that meets you in these hard moments. But all that said, all those remedies, remembering you're not alone, spiritual practices, preaching to yourself, crucial. But they're not enough. Because when you're really sick, you don't just need medicine, you need a doctor. You need a great physician. And ultimately, that's what this psalm tells us we need. A great physician for our soul. Again, verse 5, verse 11, the repeated verse. Hope in God. Hope in God. Hope is really hard to do. Especially when your hopes have been frustrated or disappointed. Where do you get hope? How do you maintain hope? Have you seen Shawshank Redemption? Anyone? Hope so. <laughs> Great movie, classic. You'll remember if you've seen it that at the very end, a couple of characters go through incredibly hard times, you know, very, very, very difficult circumstances. And at the very end, one of the characters says to the other, remember, Red, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And a good thing never dies. It's powerful. And I remember watching that many times and thinking to myself, yeah, but hope in what? Like hope in, in who? What kind of hope doesn't disappoint? It's not hope in the abstract. It's hope in a person. It's hope in God, or as the psalm says, hope in a Savior. And you see, friends, Psalm 42 tells us to hope, 
not just in the general idea that one day things are gonna work out, but in a concrete, living person. A person who gives us hope that is stronger than death because it's a person who defeated death. You see, Psalm 42 brings us to Jesus because on the night before Jesus' death, as he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus bends down, he's kneeling on the ground, and Jesus cries out and he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. Jesus was experiencing Psalm 42 in the garden. He was downcast. He was in a season of spiritual depression. He was asking God, take this away from me. I don't want it. Jesus was living Psalm 42. And then from that moment of prayer, Jesus is betrayed and his friends abandon him. And ultimately he goes to the cross and he's hanging there dying. And Jesus says, I thirst. And Jesus, the maker of every river in the world, is now experiencing thirst. Cosmic thirst. Because he's cried out to his father, why have you forsaken me? You see, in Psalm 42, the author says, God, why have you forgotten me? And Jesus himself was plunged into that spiritual dryness where he cried out to God, his father, and there was no answer. Where he was thirsty for God's presence and for God's healing and God's closeness, but the father had pulled himself away. Jesus was knocking on the door and there was no answer. You see, Jesus was plunged into cosmic and ultimate spiritual dryness for us. Why? Because he was not just dying as an example, he was dying as a savior. You see, Jesus went into the ultimate spiritual dryness so that all of our experiences of spiritual dryness would only be temporal and not nearly as bad as they could otherwise be. You see, we are often overwhelmed by sorrow. Jesus was killed under it. We feel like we're going to die of thirst, but Jesus actually did. And on the cross, he takes our place so that when you go through seasons, and you will, where God feels far away, where God doesn't feel close, where life feels much harder than it should be. You can know because of what Jesus did, you can know God is actually with me even though I don't feel it. And whatever I'm going through, it's not going to be permanent because the lights went out on Jesus, they won't ultimately go out on me. Jesus lives Psalm 42 for you. Jesus goes through the ultimate spiritual dryness for his people. And if you look to him, if you trust in him, yes, spiritual dryness is hard. It is, but it's not permanent and it doesn't have to be ultimately destabilizing because on the cross he died for us. In other words, we need the remedies, but we also need Jesus, our great physician, the one whose very presence with us can make these seasons much more endurable. And so as we close today, Here's what I want to do. In just a moment, the team's going to come. We're going to enter into our time of response. But the way I want to close today's sermon, I want to read to you a long excerpt. It's not that long, but long-ish. From a book called A Lifting Up for the Downcast. It's about Psalm 42. 
And I just want to allow these words to wash over us as we come to our time of response, that we need Jesus, the great physician of our souls. So even as I read, some of you will want to look up, but if you want, close your eyes and just allow these words from this book about Psalm 42 to meet us in this moment as we look to the great physician. Be sure that you think of Christ in a right way and manner as he suits with your condition and as he is held forth in the gospel. You see, we are prone to have wrong thoughts of Christ, but the scripture holds Christ forth in such terms as make him very gentle unto weary people. Are you accused by Satan, the world, or your own conscience? Christ is your advocate. Are you ignorant? He is called the teacher. Are you guilty of sin? He is called a priest and your high priest. Are you afflicted with many enemies, inward and outward? He is called king of kings. Are you in a tough spot? He is called your way. Are you hungry or thirsty? He is the bread and the water of life. Are you alone? He is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Are you afraid? He is our redeemer in whose death we died and in whose life we live. Let's pray. Our God, as we come to this time of response now, I know that many in this room are in seasons of spiritual dryness. Others are in seasons of joy. But Lord, spiritual dryness is coming for us. So wherever we are today, wherever we are this morning, we pray that during this time of response that we would not just know about, but encounter our great physician, Jesus Christ. That his presence would be real to us today because of what he did on the cross. So meet us in our hard moments. Meet us in these moments of darkness and spiritual depression. and Fix our eyes on Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that even when we can't see you, even when we feel like we can't find you, that you've drawn near to us. Help us to rest in that today as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.